Good evening, and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLivingLoco, and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, be sure to follow and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. Subscribing is free and keeps you up to date on the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis. On tonight's episode, I know that I did say that we were going to have a game-worn collector interview this weekend, but I also forgot that it's actually Easter weekend, so I didn't really want to trouble anyone and force them to kind of do some quote-end-quote work. So uh, we're actually going to be continuing our wonderful uh, NHL entry draft flashback, starting with the, well, essentially the middle to the top of the 2014 entry draft, and continue that. I do think we'll probably have one or two collector interviews this coming week, I think um, this next one will probably be, uh, I think I want to do one where we have folks talk about like the worst seasons in their, I guess the team that they collect in their team's history and whether or not they actually have jerseys from that year. Because sometimes if you have strange landmarks, people will actually collect jerseys from those landmark seasons. You know, one guy actually got the, the jersey that Andre Pavlik passed out in and had to be cut out of. I mean, that's that's kind of where we're at at this point. The weirder the history, the more desirable the jersey. I don't know why that is sometimes, but hey, you know, everyone likes their little quirky, eccentric collections, so I think that that's the kind of thing that I hopefully will get more stories from this coming week. But before we get ahead of ourselves, let's take a look at the second half of the 2014 NHL Entry Draft, which, well, was not quite as as prolific as we'd hoped, but there were some interesting talent that was drafted from the first four rounds. The next pick on our list, coming in at number 101 overall, round four, is Nelson Nogier, who is actually still with the Winnipeg Jets uh, system as is, and, and did actually play a couple of games for the Jets over the past couple of seasons. Nogier is a right-handed defenseman, and I think most people kind of hope that at some point he'd be a serviceable third-pairing guy. Currently, he's only 23. He's 6'2", around 190 or so. Not a small dude by any stretch of the imagination, but when he's on the ice, I tend to think that, I don't know, I think that he was supposed to be kind of a safe, defensive, stay-at-home type, which, you know, is not really the worst. It's just that Noje, whenever he's played at both the AHL and NHL levels, really hasn't shown a significant knack for being either a defensive wonderkind or somebody who's really great at moving the puck and transitioning your attack on the ice. Noje is like, I think, a consummate seventh defenseman at this stage of his career, and that's fine. I think that you can get a lot of value from guys like that. And if he plays top four minutes with the Moose, not really a big deal. Because the Jets are so short on right-handed defensemen, I did kind of hope that he was going to be something a little more than than a a bottom-pairing guy or somebody who would be an emergency call-up in case of injuries. But again, he's a fourth-round pick. I think you can live with him being an okay, I guess, pro, if not exactly spectacular. There's definitely value in getting somebody who eats up a lot of minutes in the AHL and can maybe shelter some of your other prospects. He's obviously roster competition, which I always think is a good thing, and I think that there are plenty of guys who can seize that opportunity and take advantage of it. No, Jay, I kind of did. I still wish that he had been something of a more successful NHL defenseman, and maybe he will yet carve out a role in the future. I mean, with with how shallow Winnipeg's defensive depth is going into next season, maybe he has a big training camp or something. Every now and then one of these guys kind of busts out and shows a level or an added dimension that maybe they hadn't achieved previously. 
I would say that that is extraordinarily unlikely, but hey, stranger things have happened. Taken just two picks before, Nogier is Chase DeLeo, who is currently with the Anaheim Duck system. Chase was, I think for a lot of folks, something of a punt, but a fairly decently offensively talented, if smaller, center for um, the Portland Winterhawks. And after the success of Nick Patan at the Portland squad, I think that some folks thought that Chase DeLeo might also be a gifted scorer. In his pro career, I would actually say that Chase has been relatively successful. He's not exactly a high-end offensive center. I think that he's like a modest 40-50 to 50 point AHL guy, but I think that that's actually very nice. For somebody who was taken in the fourth round, I think that if you have somebody who can be a consistent top six scorer at the AHL level and perhaps chip in um, offensively with your NHL club, either because of injuries or because he just earns a call-up somehow, I think that that's pretty decent value. Chase is 24, and he's probably what he is at this stage of his career, and I think that that's okay. You know, if he's a a fourth-liner for the rest of his career, I think that that's pretty decent. You do like to get NHL value. Unfortunately, with the Jets, I just don't ever think that he showed all that much promise beyond a couple of decent seasons with the Moose. He has been pretty decent for the San Diego Gulls. Uh, His first season there, he had like 55 points in 66 games. This season, his scoring rates were a little bit lower than expected. I don't know if that's because San Diego is a bad team or maybe he's had his ice time reduced, but overall, I think his general career profile is like a 30 to 40 point scorer, maybe a little bit more if he's on the good team. Could Chase become a regular NHLer at some point? I don't really know. Anaheim is often renowned for cycling through a lot of depth guys who are are maybe not NHL quality. Winnipeg has picked up a couple of those guys. Unfortunately, Logan Shaw, you know, as much as he is somebody who works very hard and people tend to like, he's just not really effective in the role that he's been cast. And he's the kind of guy that Anaheim really took a liking to. Chase has more offensive upside, but I just don't know if he's able to put it all together at the NHL level. He's had a couple of games with the Jets, four of them in total, didn't record any points, unluckily for him, but he was also playing on like a, a fourth line role without a whole lot of support, so not really shocking. I don't know if he's going to get a call up with Anaheim anytime soon. I think that the Ducks are pretty thin and they could definitely use an injection of youth, but whether or not DeLeo is somebody who the organization there sees as, as some kind of NHL contributor, I probably wouldn't bet money on that. I think that DeLeo, for the most part, is going to be somebody that they rely on to boost the the Gulls squad more than anything. I forget what he was traded for. I think it was probably like a third or fourth round pick, but either way, DeLeo does provide some nice quality AHL depth and scoring, so not not a bad use of a pick for the Jets. It is just disappointing that, unfortunately, he didn't find another level of play with Winnipeg system, because Winnipeg probably could have used a play-driving center right about now. While there was some decent pro-level talent hidden around the 2014 NHL draft pool that Winnipeg got from, unfortunately, some of their picks really didn't pan out as well as others, and Jack Glover is probably one of the bigger disappointments. Glover wasn't really, uh, as far as I recall, a highly touted prospect. He did play for um, the U.S. national dev team and their U18 team, but his points totals really weren't uh, all that impressive, generally speaking. Glover then went on to the University of Minnesota in the Big Ten Conference, but unfortunately, aside from one season where he had 11 points in 36 games, barely managed to uh, break double digits in his collegiate career over the span of four seasons, which, you know, obviously point scoring is only one part of the equation for many players, but 
you know, if you're not really producing much, especially in primary scoring and offense driving at the collegiate level, then your pro track is probably going to be pretty limited. Now, Glover did actually spend some time in Win- Winnipeg's system. He spent a couple of seasons with the Jacksonville Iceman and then had one game with the Manitoba Moose. In his uh, Jacksonville Iceman stint, he did have 11 points in 57 games in 2018-19, but beyond that, it's been pretty pretty uh, slim pickings. Most recently, he spent some time with the Iceman again. Then he went over to the Czech League playing for Birno Kamata, I think is how you pronounce it. And most recently, he's also been in with the... Uh, Kieko Vanta of the Mestis, I think that's Finnish league. That's pretty lower league, so it's not exactly something that I think should inspire much confidence. Glover was the 69th overall pick, very nice, uh, in the third round, and unfortunately his career just hasn't really materialized into anything that I think most people would be happy with. Glover was always going to be something of a long shot, but I think even by those standards, his lack of development and generally disappointing uh, pro and collegiate career says a lot about the fact that, unfortunately, the Jets kind of whiffed on this pick. Now, I do know why they picked him, and it does make sense in some respects as to why they would take a, a bit of a chance on him, but unfortunately, I just don't think that Glover's production ever really suggested more than maybe, like, a solid fourth liner at that. And, and sure, sometimes when you draft a guy, you're not looking at pure statistical output. You're also looking at how they play, and do they have what one might suggest a a pretty game. Some guys are very productive, but they don't really play with an elegant style in the sense that they don't really have techniques that would be repeatable at the professional level because obviously for a variety of reasons, things you're able to do in college and lower pro leagues doesn't really translate to the NHL level in the same way. You typically need some kind of flair to your game, and I think that Glover probably didn't have a whole lot of high-end talent or flair that really stood out in any particular way. He was kind of a bigger kid, but beyond that, I don't think that Glover ended up being something that the Jets were going to be uh, at least relying on for their back end. He is a right-handed defenseman and he is 23, but I would be shocked if Glover really ended up killing it in any of the pro leagues that he's playing in and somehow getting back into Winnipeg's system. Now, the 2014 NHL draft before this next pick probably looks uh, a little bit underwhelming, and even with this next pick, it is in some ways uh, a bit of a disappointment. But, all that said... The most important pick was taken at number 9 overall, and this is Nikolai Ehlers. Ehlers doesn't really need a whole lot of introduction for most Jets fans. What I will say is that when he was drafted, he was one of Winnipeg's most exciting prospects in the bank, and somebody that I think so many people were really, really interested to see what his career trajectory would be, because when he was with um, the Halifax Mooseheads of the QMJHL, all we ever saw were just amazing highlight reel goals, tons of offensive spark, a true fire starter. This dude could skate like the wind, he had amazing hands, he had excellent vision, perfect distribution, really fast speed, tons of goal scoring ability. I think that you could consider Ehlers one of the most complete packages taken in this draft. Now, his NHL career has been something of an interesting pathway because I think when you look at his goal totals and scoring output, some folks might think that he's maybe not as good as you'd imagine him to be. But in fact, I think Ehlers is actually far better. Nick is perhaps Winnipeg's most important forward, not named Mark Shifley. I think that what Ehlers does for this team, and how much he means, and considering that he's being paid around $6 million a year, he is arguably our most well-rounded, most complete forward who drives both offense and defense in a variety of ways, and I think the most important thing is that he's very strong on the puck. He's a small dude, but he has a lot of creativity and speed, which means that 
unlike typical strength where you think of big muscly guys, Ehlers is, I mean, he's not a small guy necessarily, but by NHL standards, he definitely is a small dude. But he, he sort of mitigates that by maintaining really crafty possession of the puck and basically skating circles around people. He's very good at attacking space, finding himself in other spaces, and, and really setting up his line mates for better opportunities. When Ehlers is on the ice, the Jets are immediately more dangerous, and I think that that says a lot about just how good of a player he is. He can also play on the PK. I think that he adds a certain dimension that someone in our next uh, draft year perhaps doesn't really have the same level of, and that dimension is defensive awareness as a forward, which, you know, a lot of forwards are, are basically being paid to score goals, and that's that's you know, all fine and good, right? But unfortunately, you know, you will need some guys who do have to have some ability to back check, defensively position in the D zone, and also facilitate transitions out of your defensive zone, which if if anyone can do it, it's Ehlers. This guy constantly drives up and down the ice, and he's basically a siege engine for the Jets. He can do it all, and I think that he really has showcased even more value this season in a year in which, you know, we're obviously kind of dealing with a shortened season, but, uh, you know, Ehlers was a key cog for a team that basically had no play driving forwards outside of him and Shifley. Line A being the other guy, I shouldn't leave off Patrick because I think Patrick was arguably one of the top two playmakers on this team. Taken as a whole, though, I feel like 2014 was kind of like okay, and it's not like the Jets had that many high round picks. I mean, for the most part, they were picking deeper prospects, and that's kind of what you have happen when you have guys who aren't really in the second round or, or much later in the third round or fourth round. So, you know, I'm not surprised that as far as NHLers are concerned, the Jets didn't have many, but they did make sure that the one pick that they did have in the first round was a slam dunk success. Ehlers is a core fixture of this group. He's signed until 2024-25, and he is one of the best wingers in the entire NHL and really just one of the best play drivers in the league. Winnipeg has him at a steal of a deal, and he should be considered almost untouchable. If the Jets ever trade him, I will be heartbroken because... He is arguably our most important player right now, and he and Line should form the core of this team for the future. We've now gotten through three or so drafts, and I feel like we're starting to get a sense of Winnipeg's ideal forwards, because over the past couple of years, the Jets have gotten much better at scouting, especially in deeper rounds, and also making sure that their top round picks are significant hits. They aren't really going for some of the big, you know, low-skill physical guys as much anymore, even though they still will have a couple of those picks every once in a while. 2015, though, was, for the Jets, a really fantastic draft. They had two first-round picks after the Vander Kane trade, and wow, Winnipeg got a lot. So, starting off from the top in the first round at number 17 overall, and this is a really funny pick because, obviously, if you haven't been on Twitter long, or if you have been a, a you know, a long-time veteran, Either way, you've probably seen the, oh crap, Boston could get Barzal, Shillington, or Connor here, of which, you know, Boston with three consecutive picks didn't get any of those guys, and the guy that felt to Winnipeg is Kyle Connor. Now, Kyle Connor is a very interesting player because I think for a lot of folks within the Jets community, myself included, he's a very polarizing player. I think that there is no mistaking the fact that Kyle Connor is truly one of the best goal scorers in the NHL. What he can do with the puck and what he can do on his skates both of those tool sets are, are simply unfair. Connor is an immensely good poacher, and I think that his one-on-one -on -one matchup ability, deceptive stick handling, and just incredible acceleration and speed from a near standstill 
make him one of the most terrifying offensive talents to have to go against as a defenseman or a goalie. Where Connor does start to struggle a bit is in the fact that he tends to need a play-driving center who can be a setup guy, because a lot of times Connor is... You know how Brandon Tanev, when he first joined the Jets, was a little bit, you know, unidirectional? He only went straight forward? Connor kind of has some of the same issues, but in a very different way. I think that a lot of what I struggle with is the fact that, you know, in the defensive zone, Connor doesn't really engage uh, attackers or really use positioning or, or even intercept plays or pucks. I think that a lot of times he's just a passive observer, and he doesn't really recognize threats, or if he does, he doesn't really attack those threats in a timely manner. I know that he's often used, say, on the penalty kill and whatnot, but even at even strength, Connor isn't really much of a 5v5 participant. What he does do, though, is basically have a very vertical and a rapid vertical game at that, where he basically races up the ice uh, and, and tries to score a nice goal. Sometimes, though, I think that he is a little bit too single-minded because he won't see teammates or linemates who are, are in better positions to score or even just create a better chance, and he opts to take the shot, which is, oh, okay, yes, he is one of the best snipers in the league, but the shot angle that he chose and the ending result probably indicate that the passing route would have been better. And he has occasionally done this on two-on-ones or three-on-ones or three-on-twos, odd man situations where you really need to capitalize, and instead he opted for the safer play that really wasn't safe because it gets countered on. So I, I like Connor a lot, but I do wonder, you know, going forward, is his game ever going to change? I mean, he's 23 years old. He's probably what he is at this stage of his career. Now, he is a fantastic goal scorer and a points machine, but beyond that, I just don't know. His defensive value takes so many hits, and I feel like his added use on the uh, the penalty kill just makes it a really tough package for me to swallow because I see a lot of this game that I enjoy watching, and there's a lot that just drives me insane. Winnipeg's next pick is much in a similar boat, although this, this guy isn't really uh, polarizing with Jets fans. I think most people are frustrated in general because he was drafted with the intention that he would be I don't know, at, at some level, the next Matthew Perot, and this guy occasionally shows flashes of that. I just don't know if he's ever going to be something more than like a middle six player, but this guy is Jack Roslovic, taken at number 25, also in the first round. Roslovic is a very good player, and anyone who tells you he isn't is, is probably not being 100% honest, but the thing about Roslovic is that he's very good in certain conditions and that's not playing at center. For some reason, Roslovic is a great wing, but really bad at center, which is funny because when he was with the Manitoba Moose, Roslovic was a fantastic center. What we did find, though, is that recently, when Roslovic got reunited as part of the 2015 line, which you'll come to understand why pretty soon uh, by next episode, Roslovic's results at center or at wing both improved dramatically. That line was very good for a variety of reasons, uh, which, again, I will get into in the next episode, but... I think that it does indicate that Roslovic is definitely not a lost cause. I think that he just maybe isn't as good as we thought he was going to be. Like, second-line center, probably not. I think that we have to curb his trajectory a bit. Second-line winger, maybe. He has a lot of interesting traits, and he shows flashes of some really great talent. I think that he's got great finishing. I think that he has a very good set of uh, hands on him. I think that he's got very good vision as well. And I think that he's a pretty good skater, so... All in all, he's got a very well-rounded package, 
whether he can deploy all those tools at a consistent level, especially improving the defensive aspects of his game, I think that would be, for me at least, one of the biggest signs of his improvement. I think that he has plenty of room to grow. He is 23, though, and who knows if if he's really going to develop into what the Jets want him to be going forward. But if he becomes a really good top six forward, I'd be thrilled with that. I think that he has that potential, and I think that at some point he could become a decent play driver too. He just needs the right complementary line mates to make the most of him, and I think that that's really the challenge going forward, is finding the spot where he fits best. On our next episode, we'll go through the rest of the 2015 entry draft, which will have a couple of standout names that you'll be very much familiar with. I hope you guys enjoyed tonight's episode. Thank you so much for listening. As always, be sure to check out our national NHL show hosted by Sarah Evampato. She's a great host, and she has plenty of interesting news and stories to tell you. Thanks so much. Have a great night, and go Jets go.